0: Welcome to the Five G Territory podcast, where we will explore the hottest topics in Five G with some of the industry's leading minds.
1: Thanks everyone uh, for coming back to listen to our panel. I think it's going to be a really interesting one: um, human-centric, digital divide, mega cities we've been hearing all of these um, keywords. But we all believe that there is a lot of work yet to be done to cover the uncovered. And it is in rural areas and some left behind areas, Some. Indoor connectivity and hard-to-reach areas what we're going to be talking about today with um, our experts So I am going to do a terrible job introducing themselves So I've asked them to do uh, that and I will start with you Yuris. Would you be? um, Happy to introduce yourself and let us know a little bit about what you want to cover in this panel
2: Uh, Thank you, Maria uh, good morning, uh, dear participants here in, uh, in the hall, and also uh, at your uh, displays all around the world. So, uh, I'm uh, managing uh, Latin Mobile Telephone Company for 31 years. We started in uh, 1992. As a uh, operator with NMT 450, and uh, we built uh, networks of uh, four generations, and now we are heavily working on the development of the fifth generation. And uh, to our opinion, the building the network technically is not the most complicated part. The most complicated part is uh, to fill the environment uh, with uh, applications, with use cases, and uh, different other. issues so uh, if we are coming to uh, our uh, main topic so about the Europe's digital ambitions so we see that uh, the map of uh, of Europe is not very dense there are some some spots which are very heavily and uh, highly uh, uh, with a high, a high density of the inhabitants. However, there is, are huge territories with, with a very limited number of uh, people. And therefore, these uh, Europe's four digital ambitions is a quite interesting task, because from the economical point of view, the operators are interested to uh, have uh, customers uh, and to have revenues. On the other hand, the operator's uh, task is not only uh, not only uh, business task, but uh, operators are playing quite significant uh, uh, social role, e- especially nowadays when uh, the social networks and different other uh, issues and exchange of information is extremely important. So, uh, uh, but we can use uh, the mobile network for different purposes and uh, here you can see so called heat map which reflects uh, economical activity <coughs> based on uh, data which are received uh, from the base stations so uh, we see during that during the day uh, this is a riga city map and uh, Uh, We see how during the day is uh, heating up the economical activity in different areas of Riga and then in the evening it's it's going down. And this information can be used for different purposes, not only for for, uh, scientists, but also for uh, operators and uh, also uh, for uh, state institutions for the planning. And uh, here we see that uh, this, uh, how uh, the data are uh, collected. So uh, the GDPR requirements are completely uh, followed. Uh, We are uh, collecting not personal data, but we are collecting data from the base stations and uh, this information is collected, processed, and uh, together with uh, Latvian University, it's uh, used for uh, different purposes and, uh, for instance, uh, in Latvia, uh, this model was partly used for administrative and territorial uh, reform planning. In Latvia, also, uh, big data were used for uh, COVID-19 related decision making and uh, for uh, smart cities and traffic safety we can build up the models where we can plan the migration and uh, how uh, how the transportation flows are changing and uh, finally operators are using for themselves in order how to plan the investments in particular places of uh, territory
1: thanks Yuri. i'm sure we will pick up on a lot of uh, of those components that's for Gracias. Steve, please go ahead, introduce yourself and let us know what's Nokia's uh, point of view on on this topic.
3: That's right. So, um, thank you very much for the invitation. And uh, it's it's great to be here because um, I'm really interested in what everyone's saying today. So, as you said, I work for Nokia. Hopefully, uh, you now know us all as a a B2B innovator. (laughs) Um, I work in a marketing capacity, so I'm working in Europe in field marketing. Now, the nice thing about that, it gives me lots of chance to be engaged with many, many different projects and solutions, many with um, CSPs such as LMT. We're, we're long-term partners of LMT. And we also work directly sometimes with, with the, the verticals and the, and the industries. Now, what I think is really, really nice about this, we really are living quite a, a technological almost re- revolution right now yeah there is huge huge focus on new technologies and what that's doing for us i think Juris mentioned some of the data that he's capturing also this his focus on um on the societies and the good we can do for societies and and that's really strongly linked to what i i think we're going to be talking about here today and how we can actually manage to include people that have not been included include people that have been underserved unser- underserved or not served at all Right? Um, and that way we can really uh, move forward. Absolutely.
1: So, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Stanislav, please go ahead and, and let us know what, what is your uh, interest in this topic from your point of view. Yeah.
4: Good morning. Um, I'm responsible for um, mobile broadband development in the Ministry of Digital Transformation of Ukraine. Uh, our ministry was created just uh, in 2019. Uh, at that moment, uh, only 65% of Ukrainians had uh, 4G coverage. So we set uh, a goal to the government to help to provide uh, 4G technology to at least 95% of Ukrainians. And according to our calculations, mobile operators uh, had to meet this goal in the middle of 2022. But after uh, Russian full-scale invasion of Ukraine, a lot of things changed. So now we also are focused on uh, networks restoration in liberated areas. Mm, and also, I have a goal to create conditions uh, to mobile operators uh, to help them build their networks without unnecessary bureaucratic procedures in order to be able to cover wise ports faster, to rebuild network faster, and to decrease digital divide in Ukraine.
1: Very interesting uh, point, I'm sure we will cover um, a lot of those further. Uh, Gerasimos, please, uh, go ahead.
5: Yes, uh, hello. Um, my name is Gerasimos Sofianatos and I'm uh, a deputy head of unit in uh, unit b 5 in DigiConnect, which is um, uh, in particular um, managing uh, together with the executive agency ADEA, the CEF Digital. It's an envelope of 2 million euro of which uh, around half is uh, going to be invested in the multi-annual financial framework until 2027, from 2021 to 2027 in 5G. And uh, of course we see in DigiConnect 5G as a continuum from rural areas um, to um, major transport paths crossing from urban areas. And we focus on the two Uh, extremes of this continuum. On the one hand, on the corridors, on the um, cross-border parts of the corridors, which are the most expensive to cover, and in particular, in uh, rural areas, in smart communities, as we call them, in in small areas. So this is, to a certain extent, um, uh, one of the most important uh, reasons why I'm here today, to explain to you what are the possibilities that SEF Digital um, um, brings for smart communities in rural areas. Um, we have, we intervene in two ways. First of all, with funding, and we are, we are providing uh, 75% co-funding of uh, uh, 5G for Smart Communities infrastructure uh, projects, for projects which are um, around uh, 500k to 5 million uh, euros. Um, and the second, uh, let's say, area of intervention is that we are trying to uh, build Um, uh, some blueprints of good cases um, which then can be easily replicated all around Europe with uh, funding or without funding. So to to achieve this we have set up uh, what we call a dedicated coordination and support platform uh, which will uh, accompany the execution of the program from the beginning until the end and will um, collect those best cases Uh, systematize them, organize them and um, make them available for uh, replication. Now, very quickly what what is, let's say, the, our calls? What, what do we finance? We have, first, we have already uh, completed two calls for proposals. And we are now uh, at, the, at the moment of completing the second with uh, sign- uh, signing the, the grant agreements. And we have launched yesterday a third call for proposals for an amount of 51 million euros. So we will be uh, able to finance 30 to 40 uh, uh, cases. We cover the passive and the active infrastructure, only infrastructure, not software for um, use cases, but also software for infrastructure for 5G. We finance edge cloud hardware and software and a limited part of fiber backhaul to be able to to connect the last drop. Uh, We do not fund, as I said, the use cases. We expect the participants to be the owners of the funded 5G infrastructure in consortium with the use cases, which can be the rural um, authorities, uh, for instance. And we always need to have a public authority, uh, a service of general economic interest, as we say. And we give a lot of attention on security. So we request a self-declaration by participant uh, entities approved by the member state um, that they fulfill the security requirements. I will be happy to explain more uh, later.
1: We will cover that exciting opportunity for everyone, I'm sure.
6: Juliana, please. Thank you so much and thank you for the invite. It's really excited to be here um, speaking about the connectivity um, in rural areas. Um, so I'm part of Qualcomm's government affairs team, mostly covering topics around automotive cybersecurity and the metaverse, um, and connectivity. And all those topics are linked to each other. Um, and as you know, Qualcomm has been a developer, is a developer and innovator on 2G, 3G, 4G, 5G, and future 6G wireless system and technologies. And we've been expanding our portfolio over the last years. Um, and nowadays you can find our breakthrough technologies in different areas, for example in cars, smartphones and in the industrial environment. Um, Connectivity is the key for the digital transformation, actually, for several sectors. When we talk about transportation, health, education, but also um, about industry 4.0. And 5G offers huge opportunities, not only for urban areas, but also for rural areas. Um, And it can have a significant impact on rural businesses and on people as well. Um, We've seen in a first um, report on the state of the digital decade published several, um, three weeks ago, I think, um, that around 55 households in rural areas are still not served by any advanced network. And 9% of households um, do not have any connectivity at all. And we need to find solutions for that. Um, I would like to highlight here, in particularly, five G millimeter wave as one example, um, because in our view, it offers possibilities for indoor access points um, in dense areas like stadiums or shopping malls, etc., but as well for factories um, in um, rural areas such as like the smart factoring, etc. On the other hand, 5G millimeter wave fixed wireless access um, offers ultra-low latency um, and could be like a cost-efficiency solution for households. Um, But I mean, for future scenarios and during the conferences, we talked about, um, yeah, scenarios where everything is um, connected intelligently. Um, And um, yesterday, we talked about smart cities and the metaverse, etc. But, um, I mean, we are all in line when we say we need to close the connectivity gaps in Europe. And not only in Europe, we see it um, across the globe as well. Um, And just to to name a keyword, and I know you will raise the question afterwards um, to the panelists as well. um, We are talking about the digital divide. which which is quite huge. And I think
1: one of the biggest issues with the digital divide is that it generates a lot of other divides. You're all of a sudden not included in society. Those numbers are shocking. Thank you for sharing those with us. Um, And to start the discussion, uh, I think you made really interesting points, Yuri, around yes, mobile network operators have a social duty and, and connectivity service providers to bring in connectivity everywhere but we have to make money as well, right? There is, There has to be uh, a commercial incentive. I really liked this slide where you were explaining us how you, your approach is data-driven to decide where connectivity needs to be taken to and your network deployments. So what does your data tell you um, about where are the incentives to bring connectivity in left behind areas or in areas where there is less population or less density of, of population? What, what is the incentive to drive investment there?
2: Uh, you know, uh, in early nineties, when we just started uh, GSM uh, development it was quite a popular discussion about the uh, economically convenient and unconvenient base stations and uh, many operators were uh, stating that we don't need to we will not put base stations in this area because it's economically these are economically not profitable but in fact we have to remember that uh, base uh, stations and the network is uh, uh, duplex it's in two directions and if this space station is uh, in the rural area is not operating on the transmission it can operate on uh, receiving the signal or receiving the calls so uh, nowadays of course uh, this is not valid because uh, uh, in mon- many cases and in, in particularly Latvia we are not using uh, billing per minute or per megabyte we are using flat rate uh, tariff plans which are uh, very much stimulating uh, usage of the uh, mobile especially of the mobile data so uh, in fact uh, it's just a question of a matter of time because if we will uh, Put the base station somewhere in the not so uh, uh, in area with with not so high density. With uh, t- after some time, uh, the economical activity will happen. As w- and as we saw from the heat map uh, in the center of Riga, but not only in the center of Riga, there are some spots where uh, activity is. Uh, on different time not during the daytime when the city say, downtown is is uh, red so uh, it's always uh, uh, very important to make analysis and to have the decisions based on data but and not on political or uh, some uh, semi-economical biases
1: Well, I think that sometimes there are different realities, like, for example, now Stanislav in in Ukraine, the reality about driving investment and commercial incentives is a lot different. So what is uh, your roadmap and what are you expecting from the telecommunications ecosystem to help you rebuild um, the liberated areas and bring connectivity everywhere again in your country?
4: As for liberated areas, uh, from our previous experience for the last two years, uh, we see that The most uh, part of uh, mobile fixed broadband network is uh, fully destroyed by the invaders. So operators need uh, to build everything from the scratch and uh, invest a lot of money. And uh, subscribers there has a big need to receive um, any connectivity as soon as possible because they can't communicate with their relatives, friends, and to even just uh, read truthful information from the internet. Um, But there are several problems with this. First is uh, that companies need to wait for the demining process because uh, there are a lot of cases when uh, Russians leave explosives in the network equipment and there were uh, several accidents where people were injured due to this. Uh, second problem is that uh, it's hard to connect equipment to the electricity supply. Uh, The reason is that power stations are also destroyed um, almost in uh, all occupied territories. And also, companies, mobile companies need to build new masts, uh, new towers uh, in rural areas, especially because buildings with uh, equipment uh, on their roofs uh, most of all are destroyed because the first thing that occupiers do in uh, such territories is to cut off any connectivity mobile, fixed broadband, in order to put local people in a stressful situation. So our goal is uh, to simplify all procedures uh, to operators to, uh, to enable them to rebuild network fast and uh, to provide services as soon as they can. Uh, The first step we took last uh, year when the parliament adopted uh, changes to the law which halved the time uh, which was needed to receive ground rent just to start the building of the masts. Uh, If previously it took one year, now it can be done in six months. Uh, This year we expect, expect from the parliament also to adopt another changes that will Uh, decrease the same process and uh, it could be done in just three months so it really could help uh, improve uh, speed of uh, network rebuild Uh, we also uh, try to adopt uh, changes into the law which could simplify access to the infrastructure Um, uh, it will be fully in line with um, EU directive which uh, decreases costs to the network deployment, and uh, we also uh, hope that it will help uh, local providers there. Uh, And the things that we expect to to launch uh, maybe next year is universal access, universal services. Uh, By them, we will um, meet two goals. First, to help low-income families to pay for their Electronic communication services because a lot of people they lost their jobs, plants, factories were destroyed, and they don't have income uh, enough uh, to cover all the expenses. And uh, second idea of uh, universal services to help small local providers to rebuild their networks because not of them have enough money uh, for a new equipment for a new uh, fiber-optical network.
1: Excellent. Mm. Thank you. Thank you very much. And Kerasimos, you mentioned about this newly launched programme and obviously it is um, for the whole of Europe. Um, How does the programme specifically target incentivizing investment in left behind areas, um, that being rural or indoor areas, uncovered areas? And what are the specific outcomes that the EU Commission are seeking to achieve with the programme, the long term outcomes, I mean?
5: Uh, one of the basic conditions to qualify for the program is not to have 5G network. So we are uh, targeting areas which do not have uh, currently 5G network and there is no network planned in the, in the next year. So these are uh, basically wide 5G uh, areas. Um, In these areas, of course, uh, there will be investment to build uh, the network and uh, um, uh, the the private sector will need to cover um, its part, 25%, which can also also benefit from other uh, funding sources, um, from other funding programs. So it is, uh, to a certain extent, uh, cumulable, as long as the cost that is uh, covered is uh, different. But the idea is that um, those areas will benefit from a... Uh, 5G network which was not there before and of course by the use cases and we incentivize uh, in particular to have more than one use case so it could be smart farming it could be also um, a hospital uh, smart health -health, e-health it could be uh, emergency services it could be we have seen um, surveillance of borders, border surveillance. So there is a multitude of use cases that could benefit afterwards um, the, the, the local authority. The, and this is, uh, in fact, the outcome that we, are, that we are seeking. We are seeking a proliferation of the use cases, a broad geographical uh, diversification, to cover as many areas in Europe as possible. Different and, and, and uh, diversity and plurality of use cases to cover from hospitals to, um, uh, to agriculture, to uh, border control, to emergency services, uh, um, smart cities, of course. <coughs> uh, and uh, to, 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 to bring together the, the private sector uh, to build this continuum, we believe in this continuum that I that I showed in my first slide. When the smart, when the community is smart and the corridor is connected and exists, it can bring this community and uh, in, uh, and and uh, contribute to its inclusion uh, to the overall economy. So all this is uh, is a, is an ecosystem that is uh, that is being built and from which. To, to take an, uh, uh, to to borrow a, a phrase from Elizabeth, from her presentation, will act as a spiral and will um, uh, will will help um, uh, boost the dynamic of the of the of the community.
1: And that gives me a great segue into the next talking point, which is Juliana. You mentioned use cases and and rural applications, and obviously like Qualcomm, you guys have been like super active in a lot of practical examples of. What, how can technology drive use cases in, in rural areas? What's your view on either 4G, 5G, because there are some areas that not even 4G, right, um, that, that can drive these, these new use cases and applications? How can
6: technology help that? Um, yes, thank you. Absolutely. So we are part of several projects across um, Europe, and um, we are partnering with a stadium in Liverpool on 5G millimeter wave. And uh, we would love to see more millimeter wave projects, actually, for dense areas because we really believe um, it's 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 key for um, um, for for high capacity data stuff, etc. Um, but I would like to focus on one specific example. Um, it's a project which is co-funded by the uh, Council of Dorset in the UK, um, and we are working together with farmers who are mostly like cut off from new technologies, from connectivity, um, and we um, we deploy together with partners 5G millimeter wave there to help them to go into the smart farming smart farming um, sector and to help them in their digital transformation. Um, this is actually an amazing project. And um, as I mentioned, I'm pretty sure we will see more um, around those things in
1: the next years. Yeah. By the way, it's a multi-award winning project. Every yeah. time that we go into any awards, yeah. Doris said win. So congratulations uh, on your, your contribution to, to that.
6: Yeah, they've won an award, I think it was in the end of last year. Yeah,
1: and, and another one
6: this year because I was in an award oh, ceremony yeah.
1: and they won another one. Um, so, Steve, uh, as a vendor, can you please expand on the technology that you create specifically around fixed wireless access and how can that help either drive the costs down or, uh, you know, facilitate getting connectivity indoors and, and also in hard-to-reach areas?
3: Yeah, sure. So, thank you. I think that's quite a, a wide area. So, to oh, yes. Step back. And <laughs> we've already been mentioned, I think, uh, where well, you said you could be 4G, it could be 5G, right? So... Um, Fixed wireless access as a technology really came around in 4G times. Um, Precisely um, the first use cases that we were seeing there was urban use cases. Um, Operators were were running fibre, there's areas that were so dense they couldn't cover everywhere. Or perhaps industrial parks were left out in the original plan, it's all the economics of where you can go and how many users you've got at the end of each point, right, and fixed wireless access was, and still is, a fantastic solution for that. It's something that can be deployed relatively quickly. Um, it's something that could be put in place. It could then be taken away as fiber goes there, and it could be put somewhere else, right? So as a, as a tool for actually bringing connectivity um, to your target areas, it is fantastic. Now we come into the era of 5G, and the, the project that uh, Julian just mentioned is is really, really nice. Um, we are very, very involved as well in, in many um, 5G um, fixed wireless access projects. Um, we're now moving, we're seeing the industries and that the operators look at moving out of, out of urban areas. Um, it's becoming a good solution to actually connect uh, previously unconnected areas in rural. Um, millimetre wave is a key topic. Um, many operators now are looking at millimetre wave and the, um, what they use that for. Um, fi- fixed wireless access fits very neatly into that, into that um, part. Um, and specifically on millimeter wave, um, we've been looking at, at the, the capabilities, the technology, the distances that you can... Um, this is getting better by the day. We are actually have, have been doing some projects where we, we can actually get quite a long distance um, over millimeter wave, which is, which is great news for, for operators. Um, and the only other thing I could mention really, um, well, there's probably lots, but key to your question, I think. Um, when you're actually deploying, you have to look at the ease of that. So, you know, you could compare fixed wireless access as a, as a, as a tool to um, go to a place where you don't have fiber. It can now even be, and it's being marketed as, fiber-like. Fiber-like experience, as you said, with the low latency, the speeds. Um, it is a very, very viable product to be putting out there for, for anyone, but doing that is another matter. Um, historically, you will be sending engineers. Um, you've got to make the things work right. You've got to align them all. So, what does the technology do for us? Is we have options. You know, these days you can connect fixed wireless access with antennas that you can fix on the outside of the house. Um, there are fixed wireless access receivers that. Can actually go inside the house mm-hmm. so that the signal actually enters inside the, the building yeah. and if you think about that um, I don't know whether you've fiddled with things like this before but finding the right position and making it work as optimally as you want can be difficult and the technology is solving that um, most certainly um, within within our products that we have now um, there's a lot of automation of those sort of features so the actual fixed wireless access boxes that you buy can actually self-optimize. They can tell you where they should be placed, uh, and they also they work with the technologies inside the house as well as outside. Um, so there's many many advances, and this will this will keep on this will keep on going. I think.
1: Yeah, and I think yesterday in the last session uh, we were discussing how actually fixed wireless access has has become one of the key use cases of five G because it has actually provided that that cost benefit. Um, into bringing this fiber like connectivity without having to dig streets or anything and using the power of wireless, uh, which is which is actually really good, so we have a few minutes left before we open the floor for questions and and also for our, our online audience and I wanted to cover the other al- element of this panel, which is the benefits for the end user and how we actually boost uh, the economy and I want mm-hmm. to bring it back to you, Yuris, because you actually are the the front door. Um, of the user you, you are the one who as a, as a network provider you interact with the end-user and you obviously bring the, uh, the Benefits to them. Where are the elements on, on bringing these, this connectivity that you think, you think can mark a substantial difference in boosting economy and, and reducing that, that digital divide?
2: Mm-hmm. So uh, in Latvia's case, we have uh, a very good coverage with uh, previous uh, generation technologies like uh, 2G and uh, 4G, the g- uh, uh, third-generation UMTS now is going to be closed down within a mm-hmm. few years, because it's not suitable for the today's requirements. Uh, but the frequencies which are used for uh, UMTS are now transferred to 4G and 5G in order to uh, expand coverage and capacity. So uh, the coverage uh, technically is not uh, very complicated, especially in the country like Latvia, which is relatively flat. Uh, by using low frequencies, 700 or 900 we can, uh, megahertz, we can cover uh, quite easily. The most complicated part is starting in the customer relationship because uh, uh, as already uh, our colleagues uh, mentioned, uh, the uh, 5G is industrial technology. And therefore we are working not only on the mobile broadband or fixed uh, broadband, fixed mobile broadband, but uh, we have to speak about the use cases which are uh, improving the everyday daily li- every day's life of the people and also uh, is boosting economy. Uh, uh, we cannot build, uh, ca- uh, can't build a network and uh, wait until the customers will come to our customer service centers. No way. Uh, therefore, we have to make a, a shift of paradigm, and uh, the resources which were in 90s spent on advertisement on TV and radio and outdoors, we have to spend on education and consulting of our customers. Because even with the big uh, companies, if I'm asking some uh, boss of the big company, and what uh, what are you expecting from 5G? The honest answer is, I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) If if the big companies don't know what to do with 5G, uh, for the small and medium enterprises, it's even even more complicated. And this is also the task uh, for the operators, how to change their approach to the market and how to work together with uh, customers to develop the tailor-made and suitable uh, use cases, which are exactly fitting their requirements.
1: So I get that the key element then is collaboration with the industry to drive the new use cases. Exactly. I, I really like that. Exactly. And Stanislav, for you, what, what do you think are the most pressing factors uh, right now to bring the benefits to the end user? Um, in Ukraine at the moment.
4: Um, maybe you know that Ukraine put a lot of efforts uh, to transform a lot of uh, government processes in order to make them digital and paperless. Impressive. Uh, <laughs> yes. We have application where um, citizens can have to, uh, 14 different uh, documents from the government and uh, receive 28 different uh, services. But if uh, uh, in rural areas there will be no mobile or fixed broadband coverage, it won't matter how many uh, digital services the government will create for people. So it's crucial for us uh, to um, provide good coverage uh, for the um, most people in Ukraine, even in uh, very far locations in small villages uh, and settlements. And uh, we understand that Like uh, Yuri said at the beginning, um, building networks in rural areas is not always profitable for companies. Uh, That's why uh, we um, stimulate them to share infrastructure. Uh, We put this into the legislation, this obligation. And um, I believe that one of the most effective way to stimulate operators to build networks in rural areas is to sell them frequencies. Not under the approach to receive as much, as mos- much money as we can, but with um, setting of particular le- uh, coverage level in order to ma- help them calculate all investments which they could uh, put into the network into the monthly rental fees for frequencies and to in uh, frequencies uh, purchase, so calibration of Uh, All different factors, we expect that uh, will create conditions where coverage would be improved and more citizens will receive uh, government uh, services online and uh, digital divide will decrease significantly.
1: I really like that point on infrastructure sharing uh, because obviously it it does help drive the the cost down and, and reuse the existing assets Uh, in a much more cost-effective way. And that brings me to the next point that I wanted to discuss with Juliana, which is um, how can regulators and technologists uh, work together to bring more benefits to the end user? Um,
6: This is a very interesting question. And yesterday when you sent me um, this one um, for the prep, um, I sat down and I was thinking about the last 10 years. (laughs) because it's not a new topic. Because when I worked at the German parliament, we already discussed it, and it was 10 years ago, um, how we can bring like, uh, yeah, exhausted connectivity, extensive connectivity um, to all areas. Um, I think that collaboration is key, what you've already mentioned. Investments are key as well. Partnerships as well, and great projects. That's all I think. It seems to be easy, but it's not. It's a huge process, Um, but for us, this is key, yeah. Yeah, I
1: think, and and here we have a very good representation of what a nice collaborative framework would have. I mean, Gerasmus, with the Smart Communities program, you are helping drive that investment forward. Any final remarks before we go into into the audience's questions uh, on what expected outcomes do you want to achieve? Mm-hmm. in terms of the benefits to the end-user yeah, and the, the economic uh, growth of Europe as well. <laughs> of
5: course, the end-user is uh, uh, in the center of our uh, preoccupations. And um, the network, I mean, the network deployment is uh, normally scheduled to take three years, and afterwards the operators are free to use it for other uh, purposes, and not only for the service of general economic interest. The end users can benefit from this multitude of use cases, and afterwards can benefit from a 5G network which uh, is there in uh, in their territory and all the proliferation and all the all the benefits that this uh, can bring um the the uh, as i said before our our aim is not just to finance uh, a number of use cases 40 50 60 use cases but what we aim for is the proliferation thanks to uh, private investment and thanks to uh, other uh, funding, other national funding, such as uh, the uh, recovery and resilience facility or the structural funds. With uh, th- these, by, by first of all, by reducing the cost of deployment, we are making the business case, we, we are reducing the cost and we are making the business case so that more rural areas, more semi-urban areas are economically profitable for uh, the operators we are building uh, the culture also for the end users to use these networks and to use the use cases and uh, of course we are uh, we are putting the the seeds so that this can be uh, supported uh, uh, further because even if a project uh, does not uh, benefit from self-funding. If it is selected, as, uh, if it qualifies, if it, is, if it is eligible, it gets what we call the seal of excellence, which facilitates the, uh, the granting of uh, funding from other resources. So it helps a lot with state aid control, it helps with uh, uh, all different controls. So the outcome we, we want to see is really inclusion, uh, is uh, development of, uh, of uh, use cases which are really what the people want, what they want to use, uh, available for everyone, everywhere, uh, and uh, this, is, uh, this is what we want to see.
1: Excellent. Well, everyone writing your bids, make sure you include inclusion in, in, your, in your proposal writing. So, we have two minutes left. I want to know if we have had any questions from the online audience or anyone here uh, in our audience wants to raise the questions to our panelists.
0: Um, we had uh, this poll uh, on the platform which asked, um, in your opinion, what is the most critical factor for achieving improved connectivity in rural areas of Europe? And um, Indra said that it should be, in the first choice, it should be said... Um, let's see the comment, it goes like this. Um, first answer in the poll should be complemented with the word efficient investment. So, 69% are for efficient investment in broadband infrastructure. And of course, it is about money. Who would like to put something like that there without return? But uh, Stanislav mentioned also uh, requirements which are put on the operators and the builders of the networks. where you are forcing people to work together to be efficient?
4: <laughs> no, we provide such uh, requirements if companies want to buy Frequencies, for example, 700-800 megahertz, then we ask them to build uh, coverage not only in um, areas with some amount of people, but cover rural areas as well in order to make uh, more people be able to have communication mm-hmm. and activity and uh, use what is important for us government services online. So uh, a lot of companies in Ukraine um, agree to this approach if price will be appropriate for uh, these frequencies. Because if we set a huge amount of money and at the same time time ask to cover 98% of uh, all citizens, it, uh, the companies will not have business case at all. So me, we need to balance between what we want and uh, how much money it would cost to operators.
0: All right, I guess that's it for now. And thank you for the panel. And Maria, thank you for hosting the panel.